best time to set goals with your volleyball team? The beginning of the season. The next best time? Today. Goal setting improves overall performance and positively impacts player motivation and confidence. Studies also report players feeling more united by the end of the season if they participated in goal setting. Just because you didn't use goal setting at the beginning of your season doesn't mean you can't shift gears and get into a new routine. Download the goal setting packet from getthepancake.com and watch as your team improves their focus at practices and kicks the season into high gear. Just follow the link in the show notes to learn more and get ready to have your best season yet. Hi coaches, it's Whitney from Get the Pancake, a podcast for volleyball coaches. In today's episode, I'm going to be discussing the different time requirements when it comes to coaching volleyball. But before we get into that, it just would feel strange to not acknowledge what's going on in the world right now. Just give me three minutes and then we'll actually move on to the real topic. So coronavirus, I don't really have anything to add to the national discussion about the impact that it's having on sports, on just the general population, but I wanted to share something that I experienced quite recently from a sport management perspective. Now, you may have noticed that there wasn't a podcast episode last week or the week before. Since the beginning of February, I've been helping with a tennis tournament. It was supposed to start this last Monday, and it ended up being canceled the day that many of the athletes arrived into town, not only from the U.S., but internationally as well. So not only was I busy with the tournament and the tournament possibly being canceled and then the tournament actually being canceled, that took up a lot of time, but I also had family in town. And so, yes, I did miss two weeks of episodes. I apologize, but that actually inspired the topic that we're going to talk about in just a couple of minutes. I know many of you are club directors or coaches who are high up in your club. Maybe you are on the board for your organization. Whatever role that you are in, if your area hasn't already started canceling, postponing practices and tournaments, I just wanted to share my experience from the tournament being canceled. And my experience was that basically... As soon as you make a major decision, especially in regards to something that people feel very strongly about emotionally or have invested money and time into preparing for, there are going to be emotional reactions. And I think that's where a lot of the pushback comes from. So if you haven't canceled practices yet or tournaments that are coming up, one of the main reasons might be because you don't want to disappoint people. You don't want people to be angry. But what I saw with the cancellation of the tennis tournament is that, yes, a lot of people were very vocal about their disappointment. And I totally, totally understand that. But after about a day or so, a lot of people started coming forward and saying that they felt that it was the right decision or a good decision, even though they were disappointed. We have to realize there's a lot that's out of our control, but people started sharing positive reactions, at least as positive as it could have been. And this doesn't have to just apply to this particular situation that we're in right now. This could also apply to weather too. You know, plenty of you out there in the Midwest dealing with bad fog, icy roads. I know that it's stressful to 
cancel something or to postpone, but you have to think about the safety of not only your athletes, but the parents who are driving them to practice, the coaches that are also driving to practice. I can tell you there have been a number of times where I needed to drive to a tournament or a practice where I did not feel safe on the road, but it was unacceptable for me to not make it. And that didn't really seem fair to me in the moment, especially considering one mispractice due to icy roads or bad weather. I personally would rather err on the side of caution. And so I just sort of wanted to share that realization that I had that a lot of us are feeling disappointed in the way things are going just because we do want to be out playing volleyball, coaching volleyball. And with limited information, it can be hard to make the quote unquote right decision. And there are always going to be people who will disagree with you. Again, using the weather example, I think that's something that's going to happen a lot more frequently. There have been plenty of times where I didn't want to drive to practice because the roads weren't good and the decision was made that, well, they should be better. And sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. But you just have to make the decision based on what feels right to you at the time. And for the most part, although you might have some emotional reactions to your initial announcement, just know that there are going to be a lot of people who support you, either reach out to you and support your decision, or there will be people who are talking about your decision and agree with what you decided, even if they don't approach you and tell you that themselves. So just from a sport management perspective, again, my advice is to always err on the side of caution. Just have faith that as long as you are making these decisions with the best of intentions, most people will support you, even if they're negative to begin with which is understandable, again, because it can get emotional. Okay, that's all I had to say about that. Now we can get on to the real topic for today, which, as I mentioned in the intro to this podcast, is about the time requirements for different types of volleyball seasons and understanding your limits. So what's the inspiration for this? Well, in working for the tennis tournament, when I originally signed on to do so, I thought that I had all of my ducks in a row and I was confident that I would continue to be able to write Forget the Pancake, record these podcasts. I have a couple of interviews that I need to get recorded and I thought I was going to be able to continue to do that while I worked for the tournament. Well... <laughs> Here we are two weeks later with no recent podcasts or articles, and I realized that that although I thought I could maintain the work that I was doing on Get the Pancake while taking on these new responsibilities, I really underestimated the amount of work that the new position would require. And I realized that this not only applies to me and trying to run my website and social media and everything, it applies to coaches. There are so many times where we sign up for more than we can handle because we don't necessarily understand the time commitments that are required for coaching. So I'm going to talk about rec volleyball, school volleyball, and club. I feel like those are the three main areas where someone will be coaching a team. And I'm going to talk about the requirements for each because even rec volleyball which is where we'll start. Even though that seems like, oh, you have you have one one-hour practice every week and then a game on the weekends. That's two hours of time. 
Well, that's just not the case. Especially coaching rec volleyball, you probably will have a new team or a relatively new team every season or so, and that's going to take a lot of work up front, a lot of communication, maybe ordering uniforms if you need to, finding out the best time to schedule practice, possibly holding team bonding activities or just dinners together so that all the families can meet. And then even if you only have one practice a week and it's only an hour long, you still have to plan that practice. You have to travel to the practice. You have to wait until everyone has gone home from the practice. And then you also have your weekend matches or weeknight matches, depending on when your league plays. But those games are probably going to last an hour. You've got to get there to warm up and need to get there early, get everything set up. You have to plan lineups. Although I don't know how many people track statistics during rec volleyball, if that's something you want to do, that's going to take extra time. Now, my intention in recording this episode is not to scare someone away from coaching, but we do need to realize that it is a big time commitment, regardless of whatever level you're coaching. And I want you to know that ahead of time so that you don't get in over your head and cause unneeded stress in your life because those hours can easily start to creep into just your downtime at home or the time that you need to cook dinner, maybe the extra hour of sleep that you need in the morning. That's That might be gone. So with rec, just because it is usually a less expensive alternative to playing and coaching club, and it's something that a lot of young players will get involved in, that doesn't mean that the time spent coaching won't impact your normal life. So anyway, with rec, I would expect between four at the very minimum up to potentially 10 hours a week, although total time commitment will probably be five to six hours a week for most coaches. And rec can last anywhere from a month to maybe eight weeks, 10 weeks. It's definitely the shortest uh, amount of time that you'll spend coaching, but that's generally the length of a rec program. I would say six to eight weeks on average. So if you're thinking about coaching and you aren't really sure if you can handle the extra commitment, rec might be a good place for you to start. It will probably be volunteer-based, so keep that in mind when you're signing up to do that. But if you just want to give it a test run, you want to get into coaching, rec programs are always looking for coaches, so this would be a good place to start. Now let's talk about school volleyball. So this could be middle school, high school. High school is going to be a little more intense just because the season is longer. Middle school is less of a time commitment because it's a shorter season. High school, you could be going into state playoffs or state championships. So let's just say two to three months on average, but you're going to be busy every single day from about 2.30 p.m. And that's probably just going to be traveling at that point, depending on when the school gets out, but busy from about 2.30 p.m. until 6.30 p.m. or so every weeknight just for practices. That's going to start in about August for most people. But when you're actually traveling and on the road, I know I've gotten home at 10 p.m. plenty of times after traveling during the week to 
locations that are a little bit of a drive. Then once you get back, of course, you have to stay and wait until everyone else gets picked up. So that could even extend a little bit further. And then there are, of course, the occasional weekend tournaments and practices. School can easily be a longer commitment if you are running summer training sessions or camps. So that can start as early as July. That will run through the beginning of November, usually at least the end of October for regular season. And then if you make it beyond that, it could go into November, maybe like the first or second week. But you're going to be busy with school. Not only do you have to go and coach, but you also have to prepare, of course. And then many high schools will require that you report scores and I've had to go to plenty of booster meetings very early in the morning for breakfast to report on how my team is doing. Sometimes you also want to take your team and support maybe the football team or the soccer team. So when you're signing up for coaching school ball, especially high school, be sure to ask about the additional requirements outside of coaching that you will be responsible for because that can add a lot of time to your schedule. And if you have a full-time job or if you're really just working anything else, it's going to add a lot on your plate. And if you're already pretty busy, you probably will start to feel burnt out towards the end of the season. And again, I don't want to add a lot of stress to your life, so that's why we're talking about this now. By the way, depending on when you're listening to this, you may be thinking about applying for school volleyball coaching positions. I do have help on interviewing for those positions, so I'll include a link to an article that I wrote with some sample questions that I've been asked or have asked in job interviews for coaching. And I also, I think it's really fun. I don't know how many people have used it as intended, but I do have a podcast episode where I just ask all of the questions and you're more than welcome to listen to that, pause it, answer as if it were a real interview, hit play. You know, it's like it's a pretend interview, but you can practice your answers to common interview questions for coaches. So to summarize school volleyball, at least three months for middle school. That includes tryouts in August or September, and then September and October for playing. High school, you could start, let's just say on average, most people will start in July and finish up in October. So what is that? July, August, September, October. So I guess that's like four months. Let's just say three to four months for your average high school coach. Club volleyball, this is maybe not as demanding week by week, but the length of the season, even though we know that it's going to be a long season, coaches are still caught off guard. So you're probably going to be practicing two to three times a week with each team that you coach. Most coaches are not crazy enough to coach more than one, but if you are coaching two teams, for example, that's going to be a pretty big commitment. So when you are coaching, I found that I typically spend three to four hours on a practice night, whether that's planning practice, running practice, staying after and making sure everyone gets home, catches their ride. That's the typical amount of time that I spend with my club teams. Then your weekends are almost completely full of volleyball. Saturdays, Sundays, possible Mondays. If it's a three-day weekend, you can forget about it. You're going to be playing volleyball. You can forget about vacations. You're going to be going and coaching volleyball. And then you might even be leaving 
an extra day ahead of time in order to travel. So you're doing this for anywhere from five months to seven months of the year, possibly even more if you're doing tryouts early or you're scouting for players. So the amount of time per week dedicated to volleyball, I would say is most intense during school, but the length of time and therefore your need to be able to plan ahead is greatest in club volleyball. So this is my warning to you that if you are new to coaching or thinking about coaching a different type of volleyball, maybe you've coach a club the past couple of years and now you want to coach school or vice versa. If you feel like you're thinking, "Mm, maybe I can squeeze it in or, oh yeah, that should work with my schedule. I really want you to think about how it's going to impact your life with the extra responsibilities. Coaching is a blast, but if it's causing you to eat fast food more than you want, or you're not able to spend time with your family when you really want to. And I also know if you are a student, so if you're in college and you're signing up to coach a team, you don't get to go on spring break. You're probably going to have a tournament that you have. And Halloween, you probably have practice. You don't get to just miss miss practice because it's a fun holiday that you want to go and enjoy with your friends, volleyball is going to be your number one responsibility. And depending on what level you're signing up for, I really encourage you to look at your calendar for the next couple of months and really think about what do I have coming up? Is coaching going to fit into that? And what impact is that going to have on my daily life? Now that I feel like I have scared half of you away from coaching, I love coaching. Coaching is so fun. And honestly, I always, always, always enjoy going to practice. It might be stressful getting there and it might be stressful that I'm missing out on things because of my commitment to my team, but I know that I always enjoy my time at practice. I always enjoy my time at tournaments and I make sure to turn down opportunities that I know will not fit into my schedule. I made the slight miscalculation with this tennis tournament, thinking I would have enough time to do get the pancake stuff. Um, And I know that can happen to anyone. So that's why we're talking about this today. I hope this episode helps you make the decision on whether you can actually fit the next opportunity into your calendar or not. Because one of the worst things that can happen is having a completely stressed out coach that can't focus on coaching or having a coach that ends up leaving halfway through the season because they overestimated what they were capable of doing. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. If you've enjoyed the episode or other episodes, I would love it if you could share this with a friend, especially if you have someone who's thinking about coaching and You want to make sure that they get off to a successful start. Share this episode with them. Give them an idea of what they're signing up for. I want more people to coach. I think coaching is so fun and it's such a great experience, but you need to know what you're getting into. And if you can plan ahead and you understand that with rec volleyball, for example, it's not just a two hour a week commitment. It's probably five or six. Understanding that ahead of time is going to help you enjoy the season more. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for understanding the reasons that I couldn't record episodes these last two weeks with family visiting and wanting to get involved with the tournament while it was here in town. I appreciate your patience and look forward to having you back for the next episode.